Hi, this is Money Honestly. I'm Jana Heron, and today Gregory Wade, a bankruptcy attorney in Alexandria, Virginia, is joining us. We'll be talking about bankruptcy during the coronavirus pandemic. Also help us understand what you should be thinking about if considering personal bankruptcy. Thank you, Gregory, for being here today. Let's start out by discussing the state of bankruptcies right now, especially given this really unprecedented time. What are you saying? Hi, Jan. It's nice to be here. Right now, today, as we as we speak, we are seeing a surge in commercial bankruptcies, but not yet a surge in consumer bankruptcies. Consumer bankruptcies and, and all bankruptcies have actually been down for the past 12 months because the economy's been, been doing so well, there's high employment, people have plenty of money. But the coronavirus and its, and its devastating effects on the economy really hurting business, and they're the first ones to file bankruptcy today. And you said some of the bankruptcy courts have been closed, right, for because of the pandemic? Does that have anything to well, do with any backlog? It's not, it's not so much that the bankruptcy courts have been closed. I think you, you've always been able to file a petition, but what happens is the other courts, the state courts, have been closed or have dramatically reduced their ability to handle work. So what that means is that if someone was facing, say, a foreclosure or an eviction, the landlord could not evict because they were either prohibited by law from evicting or the courts were not available or understaffed. So there's been very, very few of the kinds of legal uh, trouble that propels people into bankruptcy. I got you. And so you're saying you're seeing the business side, there are lots of bankruptcies, not so much when it comes to individuals. Is that because a lot of individuals maybe have lost their jobs or getting a lot of support right now from the government? Yes, that's that's correct. They're, they're, they're being... They're, they're getting unemployment, which I think is supposed to run out at the end of this month, if I'm correct. And in many cases... Yes, that extra $600. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Jana. And, 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 and they're, also, they're also benefiting from the fact that the, that the courts have slowed and they're not being pushed into it. So what do you expect for bankruptcies, and when I'm talking about bankruptcies, individual bankruptcies going forward in the fall and the winter, especially if the federal government doesn't extend those unemployment benefits you're talking about, or maybe doesn't send out more stimulus payments? Well, assuming assuming that, Jenna, that's, that, that's an excellent question. And of course, when you, you're trying to predict the future is, is always risky, but I, I expect that there will be an avalanche of consumer bankruptcies. Remember, every time as unemployment rises, bankruptcies go up because people can't pay their bills. And we're already seeing a tremendous number of evictions happening. I know in in Texas, the the evictions have have just skyrocketed. And every time there's an eviction filed, 
it is a potential bankruptcy because people don't want their belongings and themselves put out on the street. And if they don't have enough cash to go and put a down payment or a, a deposit on another apartment, they're stuck. Right. Right. So that's That sounds terrible. So there is a real potential for all these people who may have lost their jobs or their incomes to be stuck in a situation where they might need bankruptcy. So how does a person know if bankruptcy is something that they really should consider? Well, that's, 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 that's really a good, that's a good thought and a good question, uh, Jenna. It, it, it somewhat depends on the person. There's, I once knew, I once knew a, an Episcopal priest, and he said that the world is divided into two kinds of people those that divide people into two types and those that don't. So I'm going to divide people into two types. There are, one, the more financially sophisticated people, those that keep track of their money, watch what they do, that they file bankruptcy too, but they usually see it coming. They're a little more prescient than others. Some people, and it it doesn't matter really how wealthy they are, but if they handle their money and their assets in kind of a a slipshod way and don't pay a great deal of attention to it, they don't see it coming. So the people that see it coming are able to get bankruptcy counsel early on, and there's a tremendous amount that can be done for them to minimize the effects those that usually are forced to see a bankruptcy lawyer by some external event like a layoff, a divorce, a lawsuit, uh, a foreclosure, an eviction, they're suddenly facing this problem and they go. And that external event probably will be something that happens for a lot of people this time around, given that they suddenly lose their job because of this pandemic. Is that, is that no correct? No question. I mean, look at, the un- look at the unemployment today compared to the unemployment pre-pandemic. I, I think you can look at every single person who received unemployment in the past three or four months, and there's millions of them. Every one of them is a potential has a potential bankruptcy in their future uh, unless they're able to find another job. And there's no economist that thinks that employment is going back to what it was uh, pre-pandemic. Right. That's very, that's very frightening, but that's why I wanted to talk to you about bankruptcy, because I think a lot of people, when they think about bankruptcy, it sounds like a, a very scary nightmare situation and they have a lot of concerns, questions, and worries going into it. So I thought maybe you could help break down those things and so it might not seem as scary. So what are some of the common questions or worries people have when it comes to bankruptcy when you talk with them? Excellent, uh, excellent point, Jana. Probably the, the probably the most common sentiment 
is that of embarrassment and guilt and shame. I, I think that applies to, to across the board, no matter what a person's socioeconomic background is. And what I, what I tell them is that, is that what, what they have to realize is that uh, bankruptcy is there for a reason. It is, it is constitutionally based. Article one of the Constitution, I mean, even before the, the Bill of Rights said that Congress shall make uniform bankruptcy laws. And it is also biblically based. The, in Deuteronomy, I think it's 15, it says that debts shall be discharged every seven years. So the, the fact that you're having financial troubles and that you're turning to the law or the government for help is something that people have been doing for eons and eons. So the first, the first issue we face is how to make them look at it uh, rationally and set aside the fear and the shame, at least to hear what they can do. The second thing they have is they want to know about their their credit. How's it going to help my credit? How's it going to hurt my credit? And bankruptcy is 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 odd in terms of law because there's there's so many things that are that are counterintuitive. I I sometimes say it's it's like when you're in grammar school and you learn negative numbers, you realize that when you add up negative numbers, the addition produces a smaller number, and when you subtract negative numbers, the subtraction produces a bigger number. So it's just the opposite of what you would expect. And there's a lot of that in bankruptcy, especially in credit, because uh, credit many, many times is helped by bankruptcy, not hurt by bankruptcy. And yeah, yeah, it is is counterintuitive because the way it functions is that is that bankruptcy itself is a black mark on your credit, but it is not nearly as black as owing a ton of money because it, it helps huh. your credit in the sense that it cleanses and takes away the debt. So if you make X number of dollars per year and you owe a ton of debt, you have no credit. If you make X number of dollars and have no debt because of bankruptcy, you do have the ability to have credit. And there are some credit card companies that will send you applications for credit card knowing that you filed bankruptcy. So that's so that that, that helps wow. people's credit. That's 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 the second big thing that they ask of the first. And of course, the I guess the third is. I want to buy a house. How can I buy a house? Is it going to ruin me for life? And the answer is is no. Most Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and, and Veterans Administration really in, are involved in most of the consumer residential home mortgages. And they like they like you to wait two years after you file bankruptcy, and then you're eligible to apply. Now, it depends upon what you've done in the, those two years, are you back in debt, or have you handled your uh, handled your life well and 
paid your bills and established credit. But after two years, you're, you're back in the housing market. Wow. Okay. Well, that's really a relief for a lot of but people. But there's another thing that this, you know, we're in, we're in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And, and so many of the people that work here have security clearances. And they are worried about the security clearance. Am I going to lose my job? And I can, I can say, I can say categorically that, and I've done hundreds of these, I've never seen a person lose a security clearance because of a bankruptcy. Now, sometimes what will happen is if the bankruptcy was caused, for example, by gambling or drug use or some other underlying problem, the bankruptcy might bring, might bring that to the fore and result in it. But simply because you overspent, nobody loses their security clearance for that. As a matter of fact, you can argue in the same way that it helps credit, you can argue that a bankruptcy helps security clearance because if you don't owe any money, you're less likely to sell secrets to somebody that shouldn't have them if you have a security clearance. And if everybody knows right. that you're bankrupt, uh, you're not a risk anymore. So, so th those are the misconceptions that we face on a daily basis. That's really interesting. Thank you for going through all of those. We also had talked previously about some of the worst mistakes people make uh, leading up to a bankruptcy. I'd like to go through those because someone who's considering bankruptcy who might be listening might be thinking, I should do this when maybe they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's another that's a that's another common question and a good point. The I guess the most the most common mistake is they wait too long. They spend they 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 don't want to file bankruptcy and, and appreciate that they don't want to do it. These are these are honest, uh, hardworking people that are holding down jobs and homes and supporting other people and they don't they don't want to file bankruptcy so they so they wait but during that time they oftentimes deplete all of their assets that they could have saved in bankruptcy and one of the most common is a borrowing against or or closing out retirement accounts like a 401k or an IRA or a uh, a, some of the forms of retirement accounts that the government have, thrift, thrift, uh, thrift savings plans, because those right. are exempt from bankruptcy. And what they do is they don't want to come in, they don't want to do it, so they borrow against the 401k. They still wind up filing bankruptcy, but they've lost their 401k or they have drastically reduced it and diminished it. They could have come out with $100,000 in a 401k from bankruptcy, but instead they still file bankruptcy and come out with $60,000 in their 401k. They literally threw away $40,000. And the last, the last most common one, I think, is they try to hide their assets. 
they think, oh, I'm going to put my car in my brother's name, or I'm going to put my, my, my sister and I inherited a, a house when our parents died, and I'm going to just give my share of the house to my sister. That's a terrible thing to do, absolutely terrible, because the bankruptcy court sees that. And so not only can it be undone, but it looks as if you're being too cute and you're attempting to defraud and it can prolong the bankruptcy and make people look at it a little bit harder than they might otherwise do. Those are really interesting points. I would like to go over the 401k bit or the retirement savings, but just really quick, just to make sure everybody understands this, because I think it's an important point. So if I had a whole bunch of credit card debt or medical debt, and I'm trying to pay it down, I'm struggling, and I'm like, well, I'm going to just tap into my 401k because there's a whole bunch of money in there and use some of that to hopefully pay some of this down. And I do that, and then it doesn't work. I still owe a whole bunch of money, and I file for bankruptcy. But now my retirement account would have been safe in bankruptcy, but now it's a lot less, and so I'm a lot less secure, right? Is that Am I getting that? That's exactly right. That's well put. Wow. So that's really interesting. I don't know if people were aware that their retirement savings um, are shielded in bankruptcy, and that's really helpful because – that's your future financial security right there. Yeah, the, 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 the purpose of bankruptcy, a lot of people don't understand the purpose. The purpose of bankruptcy is to, is to give people a fresh start. And it's not, it's not just because it's a humane thing to do to help people, but it also helps the economy. Because if you get somebody who's mired in debt, every time they start a bank account, it gets garnished, they can't rent an apartment, they can't buy a house, they can't save anything, uh, they wind up working under the table and not paying taxes. So for an individual, what bankruptcy does is it, is it transforms someone who would be an economic burden to society, it transforms them into an economic asset, a tax-paying citizen who's raising children, paying rent, buying cars, doing all of the things that we all do in the economy to make it strong. That's a really good way to look at it. I never thought about it that way, but it's, there's a, a bigger purpose to it, not just your individual purpose. I think people also worry about if they already own a home and they go into bankruptcy, what, what are the options there? Yeah, well, that is, there's a lot that you can do, and, and that's, that's, that's dependent on a couple of different facts. One important fact is what state you live in. You see, bankruptcy is, is, is a blended area of law. It's blended with federal law, which is the federal bankruptcy code, And remember, the Constitution says that Congress shall make uniform bankruptcy laws, and Congress did as they are required to do. They made these laws. Uh, But the exemptions from bankruptcy, that is, those things that you can keep even in the event of bankruptcy, 
are dependent upon state law. So different states have different approaches to what property is exempt. And when we say exempt, we mean exempt from the claims of creditors, okay? And okay. Uh, in, in some states, your entire home is exempt, most particularly Florida and Texas. So there's no, there's no amount on it. You can have a, a, a $5 million home in, in Texas or Florida and file bankruptcy, and the home itself is, is untouchable. There's another way in which assets are untouchable. For example, in Virginia and Maryland and all around, in many, many states, there's a concept called tenants by the entirety. Okay. And this this actually goes okay. back to the goes back to, to the Middle Ages. And the notion was that when a husband and wife were married, I'm talking about the Middle Ages, not today. Today it would also apply to <laughs> same spouse marriages as well. Okay. But initially when two people were married, the notion was is that there was a new spiritual entity which is neither completely the husband nor completely the wife. And so if they owned property and it was titled as tenants by the entirety, that's almost like magic language, then what that means is that only the debts of both spouses can be used to satisfy, to cause the sale and the liquidation of an asset that is held by tenants by the entirety. So it's completely different. So in your bankruptcy planning, what you do sometimes is what, what we advise people to do is you say, put the assets and tenants by the entirety and keep all the debts in individual names. So there, therefore, hmm. okay. it lines up and never the twains shall meet. <clears throat> so somebody hmm. could file bankruptcy and have a ton of money in a house, even if the homestead is, is very small, but the home itself would be exempt because it is tenants by the entirety. Interesting. All right. So basically the people, depending on your state, you have different ways of possibly protecting your home in bankruptcy. That's correct. And there's, there's also, and, and right now we've been talking about chapter sevens, there's also chapter 13s. Chapter 13s are kind of uniquely designed for for homes and they can that can be protected too. But that's more of a reorganization plan rather than a liquidation plan. I gotcha. And what if I'm considering bankruptcy and I have some money in my bank account? you know, lump sum that, you know, otherwise is probably going to go to creditors. But before I file for bankruptcy, is there something I can do with that money to, to protect it or shield it in a, in a up and up kind of way? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a, there's a limited am amount that you can do, <clears throat> but what, what you can do with that is the first thing you can't do with it is give it away change the account and, and give it to you, give it to a good friend or a family member. You can't do that. That's, that's really fraud. Uh, okay. 
But what you can do is you can spend it in such a way that it does not increase your net value. For example, a common example is uh, dental work. One of, hmm. the, one of the things people do is that, especially if they're having tough times, they put off going to the dentist. And sometimes people come in and they you can just look at them and say, you, you really need to go to a dentist. Uh, <laughs> and, and you've got, and well, we say, you know, we, we, we try to be as, as, as gentle as we can, but it's, it's might something you should consider. But, but people, people, they, they, they sometimes you can have $20,000 in the bank and they're saving it, but they have, and they would lose it in a bankruptcy I would say before you file the bankruptcy, get your dental work done. And they go in and spend ten, fifteen thousand dollars on dental work. And that mm-hmm. and and nobody you can't take that away from them. Okay. The, the court's not gonna pull your teeth out. Uh, <laughs> Hope not. <laughs> and and another thing you can do is you can use it, let's say you own a house that is exempt and you need a roof. I wouldn't suggest doing it if you didn't need the roof, but if you need a roof, you put the roof on the house. You've been putting it off because times are tough. Put that roof on the house. You might, you might, you might get a new washing machine and dryer. There's other things that, that you can do which, which will not increase your net worth, so therefore make it, make it harmless in bankruptcy, yet you can use that money in a way that makes makes your life easier. That's really interesting. When we spoke previously, Gregory, you also talked about the way to keep someone or keep a credit card after bankruptcy. And I thought that was really interesting. Can you go over that? Yeah, Jana, this is, this is, this is uh, among the, the services that a, that a bankruptcy council offer is, is ways not only to, not only to get, out of the financial problem that you're in, but to restructure things so that going forward, you'll have it a little better. And we talked about buying a house. You can buy a house, and I mean, after two years, there's, there's really, you're eligible, but you have to have a decent credit rating. And one mm-hmm. of the problems with bankruptcy that, that for some people is that they find it hard to reestablish credit. Well, one of the things you can do is to, if you have a credit card that has a relatively low balance, and some people, they have tons of credit cards. Every time they get an application, they sign it and say yes. So they come in, they come in mm-hmm. and they have, they, they have dozens of credit cards, okay? Uh, some of them haven't been used, or some of them have been used. So you pick one out that has a, that, that, that you can use, you... I advise people to use it once, uh, make a small purchase, $15, $20 purchase, and then pay it off just to kind of activate it. And then you file bankruptcy. And if the balance that you owe on that credit card is zero, it does not have to be included on your bankruptcy. You must include all your debts. It's no longer a debt. Now, you can't, you can't do that with okay. a huge, big amount. But then you can emerge from bankruptcy with a credit card. And some people can actually go and apply and get another one 
and then file bankruptcy. But you have the credit card, but it's a zero balance, and it helps you to do things like buy things online and rent a car and, and do stuff where you need a credit card. That's really, that's smart. And like you said, that will help you as you go forward from your bankruptcy to build your credit and start doing those things that you might want to do, like buy a house two years down the road. Thank you, Gregory. These have been, this has been a really interesting conversation and it's really highlights what people probably don't realize about bankruptcy and talking with a professional like you really is helpful for them and may make the bankruptcy process a lot less scary. So thank you, Gregory, for joining us today on Money Honestly. And thanks for everyone listening. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you, Jenna. 